Welcome to the Voices of Santa Clara podcast. We are your hosts, Malachi Finn. And I am Darius Johnson. And today we have two board members from our Black Student Union at SCU, Kaylin Chase and Isaac Adai. So can you both introduce yourselves to the audience and give a little background, maybe uh, your position on the board, your major, and where you're from? Hi, my name is Kaylin Chase. I am a rising sophomore. I'm a political science and economics double major. I'm from Los Angeles, and I... I'm going to be serving as Big Little Coordinator and Outreach Coordinator for the upcoming school year. And hello, my name is Isaac Adai. I'm a rising senior, majoring in political science, minoring in theater. Um, I am going to be the co-chair this year, and I am from Rialto, Southern California. Thank you both so much, and we are very, very excited to have you both here today. As we know, this issue of Black Lives Matter has been exponentially amplified because of the terrible um, acts that have happened to one George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Aubrey. And we really appreciate you guys taking the time out to talk about your experiences as Black students at a PWI, especially at SCU. So without further ado, I'll turn over here to Malachi and he can definitely kick us off here. Awesome. So the first question we have for you is, a college education is immensely important and beneficial to success in professional settings. But besides these aspects, what other motivating factors led you to pursue a higher education? Well, for me, um, growing up, college was in the view, like in view for me, fortunately. Um, Both of my parents did go to college, so it was never something that I questioned whether I would get there or go. Um, But I never really understood why I need to go to college, what the benefit was, like why it was such a big deal, why people were like, oh my gosh, like I need to get good grades all the high school to go to an Ivy League, or why there was so much pressure on people to get to a top 10 school. Um, I didn't really start to understand the gravity of college until like my senior year. Um, And I think more important than just the name of a college are the connections you make and the resources that a college has. I think that can be a lot more beneficial to you than just going to a big name school or any school and then not really making any connections there because you won't get the most out of the experience. Um, So I think that's what I see college as, as a mode to meet new people, get new experiences, learn how to work by myself, how to function by myself without my parents around or make decisions for myself um, so that I'm able, when I get into professional world or just beyond college, I know how to handle myself. Awesome. What about you, Isaac? What motivated you to pursue higher education? For me... Um, well, both of my parents did not go to college. Well, they did for, I think, maybe a year apiece or like a semester or something like that um, before they had me. So um, for me, college was really heavily kind of stressed through my grandfather because he received his um, PhD in theology. So um, I'm not the first of like the generation, but I'm the first like in my immediate family. So I think Really, for me, it was learning, honestly, because uh, my dad did tell me that, like, the corporate America valued degrees a lot. But he also did start telling me, like, as I got older into high school, that 
the way that the business landscape was was changing and that people were going to start valuing skills over degrees so he just told me that whenever you go like don't get stuck on this whole like just like school 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 like actually learn and try to figure out a way that to make your learning um something that fits your skills so you can do something that no one else can do so you can create your own path in in um in the professional world. So that was really my big motivation was to like, kind of like Caitlin said, network and find um, ways to learn better, get, um, take advantage of all the resources that they have at Santa Clara that I've never had before in my life and um, really put it all together and do something. Yeah, for sure. So in that same vein, what uh, inspired you both to pursue political science as a major? I've always been interested in what was happening around me. Um, and I've grown up in a house where we've watched the news and like just BBC or world news or whatever was going on in the world and just being up to date with that. And I also did model United Nations in high school. And that's me basically playing the role of a country and a representative from a, from a country and trying to find or resolve issues as they come up. And a lot of them were current issues and I have a view of the world where I think I think of the world in the way it should be and not how it is. Um, and that has really pushed me into political science because it forces me to critically think about why decisions are being made the way they are made. And even like why people get so caught up in power, because that's a lot of the problem. <laughs> people get so power hungry and greedy for money and the fame and the fortune, whatever comes with getting into positions of power in government, especially in America. And that's always been a problem for me. And I've seen the little guy, you could say, or just normal people not benefit because there are people who lose sight of why they get into politics. Um, so I think that was really my driving factor of just, I, I'm very interested in government and what's going on and trying to help people and make the change that I think is necessary to help people like me and my family. That's dope. Um, for me, the reason I chose political science was because I have been an avid lover of history for my entire life and um, also writing and arguing and like Kaylin said critical thinking has been something that I've been just like attracted to like ever since my youth so going into college and looking at all the majors and minors and all that kind of stuff I was like political science really is something that I want to get into because um kind of to Kaylin's point as well like um actually it's almost the opposite like I see the world as it is um as opposed to the way it should be I kind of saw it as the way it should be like growing up and then I started like trying to realize why things were so screwed up and they were trying to teach us in school that our system was so good and we're the best country and all this other kind of stuff so I was like let me see actually like what we actually are like in terms of more than just the base value propaganda that's been given to us our whole life, basically. So I started to learn more about the institution. I started to learn more. Um, I, at first, I kind of thought that I wanted to go to law school. So that's why I did political science as well. But um, I really think it's a very important major in our country. And I really think they should start teaching it 
like at a younger age, as young as elementary school. So things like what Kaylin's saying, people, the little guy getting stomped on isn't something that's so rampant because people actually have a solid understanding of how their government works. A lot of people have no idea how their government works and they make up things because that's what they're given. And if you're only given a semester of government in high school, how are you supposed to use that to kind of maneuver in your life for the rest of your life, like especially as a black person, when the system was built against us, like you need to know these things. You need to know about how they will not get you alone if you don't have X, Y, and Z like lined up. Like you need to. These are things that I feel like we need to know. And me as a person, like I've taken the um, the initiative, like Kaylin, to do what I can to learn for my family and for my greater community. Yeah, I definitely agree and. I know that for me and Darius, that's one of the prominent reasons we want to go into business. Um, for me, I want to go into marketing because I want to shed light on underrepresented groups and use my marketing position in a, a business corporation to pretty much show the youth, black youth specifically, that professional fields, STEM, political science, these are all prominent uh, careers that we can go into and that are possible for us to succeed in. And I think a lot of times the media only portrays us to be successful in entertainment or sports or or music, right? And I think that showing and, and displaying and illustrating that this is something that we can dominate as well or, or truly just succeed in is important. So. Yeah, I definitely agree with both of your uh, comments for sure. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. As you both mentioned, higher education is a vehicle that will really allows you to get a seat at that table, if you will, in terms of economic opportunities and also social opportunities. And just really to switch gears to being black at a PWI and being black at Santa Clara, could you walk us through your experiences in terms of maybe some microaggressions you may have faced, bigotry or any other forms of disc discrimination that you may have felt just because you were black at Santa Clara University? Santa Clara isn't very different from the high school I went to. I went to a high school that was predominantly white in a very wealthy neighborhood that was, um, and majority of the students who went there were quite wealthy or well off. So Santa Clara isn't very different in that regard. So the transition to Santa Clara wasn't something that was a shock for me or I didn't, it wasn't out of what I knew or what I was accustomed to. Um, and because of my experience in high school, I've been able to learn how to navigate PWIs and just how to surround myself or try and find people to surround myself with that I know support me and I support them and we can work together and we can have conversations that are difficult, but not you not disrespect me and me as a person. Um, but I've definitely experienced microaggressions at Santa Clara and been asked little things about my hair or just comments about where I live back home or like the neighborhood that I go to or asked if I've been on scholarship or if I'm at Santa Clara because of a scholarship. Um, things like that, yes, they've happened, but I, at this point in my life, try not to let them get to me because <laughs> that's not going to help me. Um, that's not gonna help my life and the progression of where I want to get. So I just have to stand firm in who I am. And that's really how, how I deal with it.
Thank you for those thoughts, Kayla. And I think one key piece I definitely want to highlight is a point about, you know, the thoughts on, oh, hey, am I here because I'm on scholarship? I think, you know, really you can, I would say, generalize that to many black students, not just at Santa Clara, but many different campuses that are at these schools that maybe um, other folks thought they maybe shouldn't be at or, or couldn't make it to unless they were on a scholarship, um, most notably an athletic scholarship. So it's definitely great to hear your insights on that. And, and Isaac as well, we'd love to hear your thoughts and kind of have you walk us through your similar experiences you've had at Santa Clara this far. Um, yeah, I feel like I've definitely faced a lot of bigotry and um, discrimination. A lot of it when I first came was very like implicit as opposed to explicit. So like people wouldn't come up to me and just say like, oh, like affirmative action. But everyone would ask me like, oh, like you're on the basketball team. Like, how are you guys looking this year? Like, just like they would just like come and assume that I was on the basketball team. They wouldn't even ask me type of thing. Like, and um, especially like being an athlete, you see a different side of things, too, because it almost feels like an auction. Sometimes some of these events they make us go to, like with these old white people just kind of like touching your body and stuff and like commenting and like oh you're so like look at this one and all this kind of like it's it, it's like almost like the get out like lunch scene <laughs> like literally like <laughs> i have felt like that with with some of my homies like having to go to these events to see our donors and stuff and um it's it was a bit of a shock for me because i came from um i mean my my high school was predominantly white but there was way more black students than there were at um my high school than there are at Santa Clara because it was a public high school and coming into Santa Clara like I saw way more wealth than I ever had in my life like in high school there were like the the like the select wealthy kids but it was like a few like everyone I felt like when I got to Santa Clara had some chip or like had a name or their dad had a company or a firm or something you know and I was just like dang like it's kind of it's kind of different out here because just the way like they thought and they moved and like how they perceived me like when I was able to speak to them and stuff like that and I I was really lost at first when I first got here like I didn't have too many friends so like the and the majority of the athletes that were here were white so I started clinging to them and like I got into situations later on that they weren't there for me for because just simply they couldn't um relate with my experience so they didn't even think it was an issue so that's why um Igwe really saved me in that sense because I was about to I was about to be out of here like 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 out. <laughs> so along those lines, do you feel that Santa Clara University has accommodated to your needs effectively? Why or why not? In the sense that, do I feel like as a student that I have all the things I need, like housing, like classes, access to classes, all that? Yes. Um, but if we're talking about me as a black person and me as a black student on campus and around campus. Um, Santa Clara does try. There are definitely things that they could work on. Like I take a lot of classes in the business school because I'm an econ student, an econ major, and I have never seen, and there are no black faculty within the, in the business school, um, which is particularly troubling to me because every econ teacher that I've had has used their personal experience to teach econ and to teach the material. And if you don't have teachers from all aspects of the world, from all types of life, all walks of life, your students are only getting one view or one experience, um, which can be very damaging because Black 
faculty have a very specific understanding or could have a very specific understanding of the world and experience that they can then bring to students. Now your Santa Clara students are more enriched and more well-rounded because that's what Santa Clara wants. They want well-rounded students. But if you don't have the faculty to provide that, like how are you, how are you expecting to get that? Um, so in that regard, I think that Santa Clara is definitely lacking in terms of really looking at who they're they're hiring to help students and just be there for students um but i mean i other than that i i feel pretty pretty okay with where santa clara is at especially well i've only been there for a year let's start there i've only been at santa clara for a year and it wasn't even a full year so i can't really talk like I have that experience of really knowing the ins and outs of Santa Clara because I don't, <laughs> to be completely honest. Um, but from my experience of what I've seen, I've been, I've been satisfied with what I've gotten. Wow, I think that I love the way I love how nice she is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're so nice. I I I think that yes, um, they have tried. Um, to do some things, especially now, but I don't think they have um, kind of tailored to my experience. And I think that's why you see the surge of things that they're trying to do now and all these, like, there's like a thousand different black things that have happened within the last two months. So it's like playing catch up. No, no, no big deal. I mean, as, as long as they have acknowledged it and want to do it, like, that's the thing, like people, people think that criticizing an institution or something like that. It's just like saying, being un ungrateful. Like I'm very grateful. I got a, a scholarship to a school that made that the tuition was more than my dad's like income when I first came in. Like, so, I mean, of course there's blessings in all of it, but um, I'm, I am not one that's quick to um, congratulate people um, where there's work that needs to be done because I feel like in the same light, they expect us to um, be very hard workers and to be diligent to find different ways to solve our problems. I think in the same way, they need, they need to apply that same energy to solving problems that involve um, us and our, our people group on campus because it's been apparent over the last 50 years that black students have not felt comfortable at Santa Clara because we've literally had 3%. Um, we have, actually, our, our percentage went down. We used to have 3%. Now we're floating around like the 2.5. So it's like, in, in, in the sense of what an accomplishment looks like, I don't think that they have tailored to our experience because obviously the numbers don't lie. But on the other side, on, on the same side though, I do think that Santa Clara has provided a lot of opportunity for their students in general, of which I have partaken in and taken advantage of as a black student, but it wasn't meant for me necessarily. I just had the wherewithal and the awareness to take advantage of it and created some of the connections that were important for me to understand what to take advantage of, when to take advantage of it, how to, and like, I got, I got extra help by really linking up with some crucial people at the at the um campus but 
I had to do a lot of that on my own. So in that sense, I, I would say that I did a lot of it on my own in Santa Clara. Kind of, I kind of, I kind of made them do it for me. I didn't, I, it wasn't given to me. I had to, I had to, I had to demand it. Exactly. Absolutely. And a quick follow-up question I just want to ask both of you briefly is going off of this topic, do you feel that because you are black and the PWI such as Santa Clara, that's about two to three percent black in terms of black students in the student body, do you feel that it's your responsibility to speak on the behalf of all black people in terms of the Santa Clara bubble that we live in, right? Or in, or in other words, do you feel that you have an obligation or responsibility to be the black voice of your people, given that it's such a small population and you may be the only one in the room at certain times? Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, um, especially being a board member on Igwe, like when the administration is trying to do something for black students or like it's trying to do something right it comes to us and not saying that's not what we're there for because obviously we want them to ask us questions and get our input but since there are so few of us you can and i'm often the only black person in the class um when problems of wealth disparities, gender disparities, gender gap, like all of these things come up. Somehow race is always involved. And I feel personally just wrong if I don't share my experience and my knowledge with the with other people in my class. Like, this is not how the world works. Like you guys really need to understand what's going on here. Um, because a lot of times I think, well, if I don't do it, who will? And Unfortunately, that is something that weighs on me a lot of the time because it's like, well, I don't feel like I have the responsibility or need to be doing this because it's draining. It's draining to always have to tell people what's going on or explain yourself or explain why you feel a way about something. It can be draining, but it's like you have to, or at least I feel like I have to um, in certain situations because then it someone can just their their thinking or their knowledge can really be damaging to someone else when i know that i can really i can probably take it in and take their ignorance and talk about it and have a conversation but someone else can't so if i know that about myself then why not engage in that conversation if i see fit but it can be very exhausting <laughs> i will say that i think that sometimes i'm compelled and looked at to be the um, the voice, I guess, for for the black community in general. Most of my classes, because yes, in poli sci, um, I'm also one of the only black students in my classes. I feel like everyone's one of the only black students in all the classes we have. We have so little people here. Like, <laughs> but um, yeah. So definitely, when it, when it comes to poli sci and like kind of what Kaylin was saying um, in terms of like how she feels with econ, I feel like that extremely with poli sci because, I mean, we we learn a lot of theories and a lot of them are Eurocentric. So sometimes I'll have to kind of like put my two cents into kind of be like, all right, so is this really the way that things go or is this kind of like how they're telling us, you know? So in that sense, yes, I feel like I have to be a voice, but I know that I'm not the voice for all black people. And I know that's something that I always have to tell myself. So I don't get to a place where I start to 
over like whelm myself because like Kaylin said, it is very stressful. It is very, very stressful. And um, especially becoming the co-chair this year. And even before I was co-chair, like just because of like um, who I who I've been on campus the last four years, I've just been a very um, active person. So a lot of people um, have come to me like for a lot of things. And I do have a hard time saying no. So I have been in places and and, um, events and stuff like that where like I'm the face for black people. And it's like I really could care less about being there. I just feel like sometimes I have to show out extra because they don't believe in us. I feel like the way they should believe in us. So I'm always trying to show them and like um, really advocate for us. And uh, that's why this club is so important to me because it's like it's literally all we got. So um yeah i definitely do feel that pressure sometimes though but i always try to keep it in perspective yeah i feel a similar way as well uh during my time at scu in these first short few months as a freshman um in my classes i've always felt as though you know it's my duty to pretty much illustrate what it is that uh the black community has to offer an academic setting or the professional setting or whatever that may be so I mean, all my life, I've always wanted to strive for excellence, but being that it's such a a small population, as we've noted before, is definitely an increased motivation to propel us as a group and say, like, this is what we have to offer. And and I can be someone that you can look towards and see, like, that's what a a black man or that's what a a black person has to offer. So I think that's something that I've always tried to ensure that I'm representing my people. I wholeheartedly agree with what both of you mentioned in the touch in the points that you touched on Malachi, that it's very important for us to understand that, yes, we all feel it. But at the end of the day, it's not our responsibility, nor do we have an obligation to be the black voice um, for our entire race on the campus of Santa Clara University. And I just thank you both for taking the time to walk us through that. I think it's very important that we all as black people remember that and keep that in the back of our heads, whether we're in, you know, clubs, the classroom, um, you know, on or off campus, student life, it's important to keep that in mind that it's not your job or your responsibility. I'm glad you concluded that like that, Darius. That was a a great outlook for sure. So I believe, and I'm pretty sure we all believe that leadership in the Black community is essential to our advancement as a people. So I want to ask you two, what historical Black figures do you admire and what elements of their leadership impacted you? Um... If we're being completely honest, I don't really look up to like heroes or figures or like celebrities. Um, Mm -hmm. In my personal life, my dad is honestly the person that I look up to and really kind of model how I look at the world and how I go about things. Um, He is very... He is able to look at things and create something new or create something that isn't there. Um, And even look at a problem and figure out how to solve it, even if it's a very unconventional way and try and find how to, how to do things and find solutions to things in his own way, in his own time. Um, I think I, as I said before, look at the way look at the world as it should be and not what it is but Isaac also pointed out that you have to know what the world looks like in its current state to know what it should be or what it's going to be or how I want it to look um so really taking the time to be very observant observant of my surroundings 
um, is something that I have done and have always been like. I don't know. That sounded weird. But <laughs> I, I do really look up to my dad because he, if for some reason, it just seems like he knows something about everything. And um, for someone who didn't grow up in this country, who came to this country when he was 18 and have so much knowledge about how this country works and can look at it and say, well, this is the way things are, but it's not really right and we need someone to fix it. Or even just being able to say, well, I'm going to work on this myself and get these skills for myself and not have to pay someone else to do it for me. Um, it, I, I don't know how to explain this, but <laughs> he's he just has a very, very large view and very large scope and very he's a very intelligent person. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Isaac? Um, for me, um, well, yeah, that's funny that Kaylin kind of said that because I also do have a big belief in um, not really sanctifying anybody or putting anyone on a pedestal because everybody has issues, um, I think. Uh, but I think in terms of black leaders, we do have a lot of black leaders that I have um, t- admired and, of course, taken some uh, scholarship from and understood um, where they co- came from. And some of those people, obviously one of them, um, and it's mainstream, I guess, but a lot of white people's heroes are mainstream, too, so I don't really care. Like Malcolm X, for sure. Um, Muhammad Ali, uh, Kwame Ture. Um, who else? Um, Martin Luther King, to an extent, towards his in the the the, the, late, the later part of his scholarship is where I start to really agree with him. I'm not too big on his earlier um, scholarship. Um, Angela Davis, Nikki Giovanni, James Baldwin. There's yeah, those are I, I can I can go on honestly, but those are the ones that I'm thinking about right now. And um, honestly, they all have um, different different views on what <clears throat> black liberation looks like but the overall view that i i kind of hold so dear to myself is that in order for us to really be free we need to do for ourselves and we need to have our own and that is something that even till this day i'm still advocating because i feel like in our scholarship in our movements and stuff it's something that is so left out and we just kind of want and it's something that even in all, in all of our civil rights movements over the last over the over the last 40 years is something that we have let them kind of put to the side for us. But every other race has gotten their reparations and has gotten their respect and has gotten their land, and has gotten their piece of the American pie. And we still we're still asking for a place to be handed down to us. Um, and that's something that has, I think, tremendously held us back as a people and. That is why some of the more radical scholars, I, I guess you can say, I really am akin to, but I don't really think that, I think that if you start to um, shift your mindset and how you think about yourself as a black person, how you think about the system as it is, um, it's a competitive system and it's been in place for 300 years. So us just trying to get in now and trying to have uh, and, and trying to have them basically pave the way for us is is kind of setting ourselves up for failure because they already have their system in place. They already know everything. They already have all the insider trading and all that kind of stuff. Like, why would they bring in a whole nother group that 
they had literally tried to purpose keep out. I mean, they're going to give us a lot of, and Malcolm X said it best, and honestly, we see it a lot now, that the white man will try to appease you with symbolic gestures, and that's literally the the epitome of what is going on right now. All these murals and all these um, these tributes and all that kind of stuff and statues and street names, it's like, it's all good, it's all cool, but it doesn't really mean anything. At the end of the day, it doesn't mean liberation for us. We still we still are going to be the most least represented people in politics, in economics, in every aspect of um, the American uh, dream, which is, for most of our people, the American nightmare. Mm-hmm. So um, I honestly just, like Kayla said, don't hold anybody to a super high regard because that is how you get caught up in a trap like I call the Obama trap when you start to let people do for you instead of let, instead of doing for yourself. Um, so um, I honestly think that there's a lot of people we can take a lot of advice from and a lot of um, of our of our thoughts on how we need to move forward. But um, in all honesty, I think that we just gotta we just gotta find it and put it and put it to um, piece it together because a lot of the blueprint is there for us we don't really need to rewrite the uh reinvent the wheel and i want to add to that something my dad has more recently been instilling or making sure he tells me is like when i get somewhere or get get higher or move higher bring someone with me i think that's something that a lot of people and a lot of black people specifically lose Um, is when you are moving up and when you're getting this education at school, like reinvest it in your community. Make sure you are giving back or bringing your friend or bringing someone you went to high school or someone you went to college with or finding opportunities for other people. So we're doing, like Isaac said, doing for ourselves what other people aren't doing for us. Yeah, and definitely. And even to add on to that more, it's like that is why I kind of have like, shifted my view more towards like the quote unquote what like America outlines as a more radical um teachers of um black theology and stuff or that black liberation all that um I think that when we don't ask for our own space to create and do our own thing it's easier for us to not have the mindset that Kaylin's talking about the bringing the next guy with you because you're just worried about getting on for yourself and doing what you can for your family. And that's all good. And that's one of the biggest struggles I have as a black man is that like, I know that I, I, I want to be on and I want to do things for my family. But at the same time, I have, I hold the Jay-Z lyric in very high regard where he said like, um, that little money y'all got over there is nothing over here. Like we, we, we determine rich by who around you is rich. Basically. Mm. Um, I, I, I kind of butcher the bar, but, Basically, you know, you get the idea. He's basically saying, like, if I'm up here and I got all this money and I and, and I found my way out and I'm in the hills of wherever and all that kind of stuff and doing all this and and saying that I'm doing this for black people. But me and my me, me, myself is the only one that's on that for me is not an accomplishment because it really is like a thing of who everyone who around you is also doing well. And for me the greater community. I want to help out as many people as I can. So um, that's something that I really hold um, very close to me. 
That's great. I mean, in family and having a strong community around you is very important, as you mentioned. It actually segues into our next question, as I know you both are on the board of Igwe, the Black Student Union here on campus at Santa Clara. Could you both walk us through what Igwe has done for you? And Isaac, we can kick it off with you as the co-chair, maybe talk to some points or maybe a high-level overview of what Igwe is, what Igwe does for, for those who may not know or be familiar with Igwe. Yeah, Igwe is the um, Pan-African um, or BSU equivalent um, cultural club on our campus. And basically what we're about is, um, well, our, our, our motto is like in unity, in, in, in unity there is strength. And that is something that, especially for the, the Black um, Af- and African diaspora, that is the, one of the most profound, I think, statements that we can look up to because really we have been um, purposely broken apart and pit against each other. And that's why we have not had strength. So I think it's very appropriate that that is our mantra. But in terms of Igwe um, and what it does for students like me and other black students and why it's so important to my life is because, like I said, when I first came here, I was a I was I was an athlete, so I was here about three months earlier than anyone anyone else was for um, summer training and stuff like that. So it was very hard for me, like really just breaking in, getting first of all. I mean, y'all know y'all are freshmen, so it's a little bit um, new. It's a little bit uh, more fresh for you guys than it is for me. Like just the feeling of getting away from home and you're excited, but at the same time, it's kind of nerve wracking because you got to learn how to do all this stuff on your own. You got to find your friends, and you got to do. You got you. You. It's like it's start. It's a. It's the first step into stepping out into the real world. So it's like you. You know how much kind of. Um, how much anxiety can go into that transition. So when you're in a place where you don't feel like you can relate to anybody, that transition can be like 10 times harder. So for me, on my visit, I met Manny and Gary, the the, the co-chairs at the time um, that were going to be the co-chairs the next year. And they, were, they, were, they already gave me the rundown on Eagle before I even committed to the school and all that. So when I committed, I was like, all right, I got to find this because when once everyone started getting on campus, I was like, I gotta find where these black people are at because I I'm I'm struggling, like I'm lost right now. So, go Igwe really helped me just feel strong in my identity because I felt strong as a black person, but it was hard to constantly feel strong when there was no one else around you reinforcing that strength because there was no one that looked like you. So that's really the biggest thing is just the community aspect and also. Um, just the network too, because there's a lot of there's a lot of brilliant black people in Igwe. So, I really think that um, it has done tremendous things for me and many other black students, and that is why it's so important to me. I have a sister who graduated from Santa Clara, and she was a part of Igwe. So it's something that I knew I was looking for coming into school. Um, because I've dealt with the shock of going to a PWI, I dealt with that in high school. And I knew in high school that an affinity group for Black students was where I felt safest and where I felt the most close to me. So that is something, day one, like orientation, like where where is Igwe, where is the Black Student Union? Um, 
And even the on moving day, there was a reception for black students. And that was something that I made sure I was at and I was connecting to people because I know how I felt in high school when there weren't a lot of black people around or there wasn't a space for black people. And I know how lost I got around my other friends who didn't live in the same neighborhood as me or didn't understand my life or where I come from or why I ate the food I ate or why I like why I couldn't go to the mall with them or why I couldn't do this or why I couldn't do that so um Igwe was something I knew I needed because I needed I want people around me who I know will support me and that is what I found in Igwe like people who I know will be lifelong friends people who are brilliant people who don't always think alike but that is great because we 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 need that like all black people don't think the same (laughs) and that is something some people fail to realize like all of us don't think the same so having a place like Igwe where you can see firsthand that and get into these conversations is amazing and has been really beneficial to me yeah I totally agree Uh, I think you both hit it on the head and just that idea where we can come in and have these conversations and have fun activities and get to know each other on a genuine basis and just find people that are all striving towards success and have different uh, experience in their past or just different things that they're striving towards and it allows us to bond. So Igwe for me was definitely a great experience and I'm excited for it for the years to come. And now I'm on the board, so I have an opportunity to to have an executive position and try to, I would say, facilitate and, and help the youth. So I think that's the most important thing. And um, so, yeah, I, I definitely agree. All right. So our next question is, um, could you speak about some of the goals that Igwe has for the upcoming years in regards to student life, relationships with the administration and the local community? I personally am, have goals that I want for Igwe. Not necessarily these are Igwe's goals, but I want for I want Igwe to connect more with other black student unions at other universities around the bay. Mm-hmm. So that could that that could be Stanford, that could be Berkeley, that could be SJSU, like to really connect with those people to widen out our network. Um because there are few black people at one time at Santa Clara and even just our alumni network isn't that large comparatively. So really connecting with other students, other people would just benefit us professionally as people. Like you you never know what can come from that. Um, and even having more of a presence on campus and making ourselves more known that we are here to promote something and we're not just here to congregate like (laughs) we're here for a purpose and we are promoting us and fighting for us on campus whether that be for more teachers for better resources for students like really making sure that Santa Clara as a university and administration knows that we are fighting for us um because if you don't fight for yourself how do you expect other people to fight for you right and I think that's definitely the position that I want Igwe to take and if we're all together and we can get on the same page, like, okay, look, this is this is something we need to fight for. We all need to be advocating for everyone in our own spaces because we all don't exist in the same circles, the same spaces. Like, I'm not an athlete, so I don't talk to athlete donors or sports donors. So when you're in those spaces, fight for us. <laughs> like, make sure you're doing your part wherever you are. Um, I think that's 
what I see Igwe as and hopefully where it goes. Nice. Mm. Yeah, and Kaylin um, has touched about a lot of stuff that we as coach, uh, Ekene as I as co-chairs have been um, talking about and planning. And as um, we get close to the school year, um, the greater community is going to be um, becoming more increasingly aware of when we start having our meetings is um, the identity of just unity. And like I said earlier, and that unity includes black student groups outside of our campus. Um, we really want to tap in with more black organizations um, to increase our networking and um, also our alumni network, like Kaylin was talking about. Because that's something that's very important because um, we know at Santa Clara, or I know anyway, and you guys are going to get to know um, as because you guys haven't even had a full year yet (laughs) um, to how like Santa Clara works and going through it like most black people don't have a good experience in Santa Clara. So so there's always a point you get to where it's kind of like, bro, like I honestly could give a like about anything that's going on because I just want to get, I just want to tap in, do what I need to do and get out. And when I come, when I get out, never look back because it's like, why, what do you want to look back to? Like what it's, it's, you had a bad experience, you know, for the most part. So I think for us really um, doing what we can to um, make ourselves heard. And like I said, like, I mean, I've been saying this and Ekin has been making fun of me. Like I'm, I'm coming for everybody this year, man. Like they go, <laughs> they go, they go know us, bro. Like they, if they, and if they don't know us, like they will, they, it will be known. Like there's not going to be no shirking us. Like, uh, it's it, even if we don't get what we want, we're going to make, we're going to go out with a bang. We're going to be hollering. Like, it's not going to be, no, it's not sweet around here. Like that's something that we are really, we are really going to emphasize is, and in, in, in a very poised way too. It's not we're, we're not just gonna go yelling at people. We're gonna have our um what what we want. We're gonna have it written down. We're gonna have it succinct, and we're gonna give them exactly what we want because too often we have requested things and not had our own plan as to how we want these requests to be carried out. Like we are gonna give you the. We're going to hold your hand right through it. If you if since it seems like it's so hard, we're going to hold your hand right through it. So there's no excuses to why we cannot get what we need. We're going to also one thing is making um, Igwe's mantra very clear in unity. There is strength and also doing things to empower that because you guys don't really know this or maybe you guys know a little bit about it. But there has been a lot of infighting and dysfunction especially within the last three years to the point where the club is almost kind of kind of folded. So this was a very crucial well, last year was a crucial year and this year is a very extremely crucial year because especially with all the COVID stuff going on, like we have a lot more obstacles than many other boards and many other clubs have had before. So really, really making it apparent as to why we are here and what the, and making it, something that is beneficial and for everybody within the club is something that's very important to us because we don't just want people to come and think that there is no reason to be here. Like they need to understand why it is so important. And that is something that we are going to really, um, really focus on just developing our minds in general too. I feel like we can do a lot more, um, hard discourse in terms of things that is going on in the world and really get down to the nitty gritty. I mean, because like I said, we're all we got. So if we can't talk about 
hard things with black people, then who can we talk about hard things with? I know that people get um, like everyone has their like we need to learn how to agree to disagree at some points because not everyone's going to agree. But that doesn't mean that we don't need to talk about certain topics because it might become a oh, this person said this and now we're going to cancel so, so and so like, nah, like that's not how you create knowledge, like creating knowledge comes by conversating. Like we said, not all black people are the same. So we can have different differing opinions without saying like F you and like, I'm not going to talk about this anymore because that's just like no other racial group does that really besides us because of all the um, the infighting that we've been perpetuated to do by our oppressors. So that's something that I'm really trying to kill and shed light on this year um, in Igwe. So those are those are some things right there. Right. I think what you mentioned is so important that Igwe continues to grow its presence on campus. So in these past two quarters before COVID-19 hit, Igwe really had a strong presence on campus. A lot of students, black students were getting involved in the program. It's really important for clubs like this that focus on subgroups at Santa Clara to help them feel more comfortable on campus. I think it's very essential what Igwe did and what Igwe plans to do moving forward. As I know, you are the co-chair and have a lot of goals. And, and actually, well, one of those goals that um, actually broke news is Igwe working with Santa Clara administration to develop a Black Excellence Fund. So Isaac, maybe you could walk us through that fund, what it is, what it does, and what is the purpose of this scholarship and how it's going to help Black students at SCU moving forward. Yeah, well, definitely. Um, I'm on the committee for uh, creating that scholarship, so I definitely can give you guys a lot of insight on, as to how that's going and what it's about. So basically, um, I was approached about a month or two ago, um, shortly after the George Floyd um, murder, and um, they, it, it was basically someone from the scholarship office basically saying that they were trying to create a fund that was similar to another school's George Floyd fund or something like that, and basically for a black scholarship for students. So um, what we have done is create, um, the scholarship's called the Black Excellence Fund, <laughs> And it is specifically for black students, um, incoming transfers, um, also students that are currently here that want to apply to scholarship if they don't have it. Um, basically, it's for it's for us and by us. And um, what it is, is it's an endowed scholarship. Endowed scholarships are um, it's a quasi endowed scholarship. So meaning that the school is putting money behind it. And right now we have a um, hundred thousand hundred and I think a hundred and one thousand dollars or something like that raised at the current moment. So um, we're making some we're making some headway um, slowly but surely because a hundred a hundred thousand dollars is the um, threshold for an endowed, an endowed scholarship to happen. And endowed meaning that it's not one of those scholarships that you get like um, where you write a paper and they send you like seven hundred dollars. It's one of those scholarships where um, you get it re- renewed year after year that pays for a substantial amount of your um, scholarship um, of your tuition and board because we um, we recognize that one thing um, that Santa Clara one one reason why Santa Clara is also so unattainable for so many black people is because it's uh, it's an arm and a leg <laughs> it costs seven seventy six thousand dollars to go here like overall so um, that's why we've really been pushing for even more than the threshold because. We want to impact as many students as we can with this scholarship. So, um, but for it being its first year and just being a part of it, I'm just like blown away by how quickly we've received some of this money. But um, I'm also 
very thankful for the fact that I got a lot of other pe- black people involved that added contributed a lot to it and helped us um, kind of create the cohort model that we're going for because we also realized that black excellence looks different for different people. So figuring out what black excellence was and figuring out who was going to get these scholarships was a big discussion. And it's something that we still kind of haven't completely finished on talking about and, and with our upcoming means, we're going to be talking about more, but basically we want to create this cohort cohort effect where when you get a scholarship, it's not just getting money. You, you, you get resources, mentorship, all that stuff that um, goes on top of it. Because a lot of times, um, we, we, I talked about, we don't want to kind of recreate the welfare effect where you're just trying to throw money at a problem instead of actually giving people the tools to succeed. So that is something that scholarship is very focused on. And that is something that Igwe and um, other black um, student um, groups on campus are going to be a part of. And um, it's hard because we do have to take a lot of the slack that hasn't been um, taken up for us. But um, as you can see, we're succeeding and um, we're on our way to having a, I, I want it to be a multi-million dollar scholarship. So um, we got a lot of work ahead of us, but that is right now um, the state of our scholarship. And um, we should probably, I don't know where you, where you guys drop this, probably post a link uh, where so people can go and donate. Cause uh, yeah, get, get on that. But yeah, that's where, we're, that's where we're at with the scholarship right now. <laughs> See what happens when you shoot for the stars. <laughs> like. uh, facts. Awesome. That's absolutely amazing. And we're glad that Isaac and all of the other black board members and, and black executives uh, in the community are working towards a scholarship for our students. Because as we've touched on on multiple occasions, uh, we all believe that wisdom and knowledge is most important for our black community so that we can create for ourselves and, and have a community where we're all built upon excellence. And I believe that black excellence is a perfect title for that scholarship fund. All right. So now to conclude uh, the podcast, we have two questions for you um, that are just pretty much fun questions that we have created for our customs. So the first question is, can you describe your ideal Saturday? Uh, What activities would you do or who would you hang out with? Things like that. What would you eat? Can you just describe your ideal Saturday for us? At school or home? Where? Just at home. I don't on your free time. (laughs) Okay. Um, my ideal Saturday would involve my best friend, Robin, who lives in Tennessee. Um, we would she, we would be together. I don't know where, but we would be together in some form. Um, we would cook because I like cooking. It's a fun pastime for me. So we would cook. Um, and then we would go out probably to Santa Monica Pier if we're in L.A. Santa Monica Pier, that's a nice place promenade just hanging out like just if I'm just with her because we don't we've never lived we haven't lived in the same state since our freshman year so if we're together I'll I'll be fine we'll figure out something to do my ideal Saturday man honestly well I mean when things are normal I could actually be outside like I like to get um a workout in early in the morning like um some soccer some weights uh, get a good breakfast in, uh, probably go get some mimosas or something like that. Um, I like to chill now, bro. Honestly, like I, 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 as, as the older I get, like, I like to be chilling more like what people like, um, I like to be at my crib. My crib is really nice. Like I, I love just like 
chilling with my homies and having some um, some of my homegirls over and we just have a vibe, just like kind of what we're doing right now, just talking about life and um, maybe with maybe over a couple of drinks and talking about just life and maybe go out later the night or just stay inside and play card games and um like that's what that's what i'd be doing honestly like some of these nights like i don't even feel like going out i just i just be playing like card games at the crib or bingo or uno or monopoly like we be we be getting active at the crib so <laughs> that's, that's 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 what i'm like oh or making music honestly i love to make music too so there's a there's i, I do a lot of different things so it depends on really how i feel that that's given saturday that's awesome. I mean, again, we want to thank you guys for coming out, talking to us today about a very important topic that has been brought to light recently. And it's very important, not only to us as Black students at Santa Clara, but across the nation and across the globe. So thank you both for doing that. And one last question that we like to ask is, uh, if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, um, who would that person be? And why would you have dinner with them? Jesus Christ. I said the same thing. Can you elaborate on why? I mean, not just like because like I'm a like a spiritual religious person. Um, also, because like I mean, I'm a historical person. So, I mean, just based on a historical standpoint and the spirituality, like kind of just colliding, like that's the guy to be. A, that's the guy to go to because it's like so many people have said and like moved for the things that he's moved for after he's died. So it's like might as well go from the source itself you feel me like and jesus was black as well so i know that i would uh i would i would, I would get along with that man very well <laughs> what about you Kaylin? one of the writers of the constitution um not sure which one but one of the the writers and creators of america essentially in the framework for america um i definitely was not included in that constitution when it was first written um, and really having a conversation about that and how creating a document that can carry on and be be so grounded and so overarching that it created a system that outlasted generations and generations of people. Um, and obviously speak about the fact that I wasn't included in that first constitution um, or the original writing or the original... Um, meaning of the constitution and really how that that can shape the world and how we could have a different world if people like me were included in it well just some very very great answers thank you both for walking us through through that question um but honestly i mean you guys have been fantastic today um and we kind of asked for two better people to come on to this podcast and talk to us about their experiences being black at a pwi i know for myself personally, and I can definitely feel like I can speak on behalf of our listeners from the student body, the Santa Clara community and beyond, um, feel much more knowledgeable now after hearing both of you talk about your experiences at, at a PWI and your insights were very, very, very helpful. And you just want to thank you again. And on behalf of Voices of, of Santa Clara, um, we want to thank you guys. And hopefully we can see you guys again this fall. We'll see how that plays out with COVID-19. But again, thanks, guys. Looking forward to seeing EWA next year and seeing all the great things you guys continue to do for us on campus at Santa Clara. So thanks again. I definitely agree. All right. So again, thank you for coming on and thank you audience for listening. Uh, this is the Voices of Santa Clara and we'll see you next time.